Well, if you got your Bibles, go ahead and take them out. And we're going to be in the book of Colossians this morning. Chapter 2, beginning in verse 6. It says, Therefore, as you have received Christ Jesus, the Lord, so walk in him, having been firmly rooted and now being built up in him and established in your faith, just as you were instructed and overflowing with gratitude. Join me in prayer once more. Lord, we pray right now that the words of your truth of your scripture would come alive into our hearts. Holy Spirit, that you would open our ears to hear and our hearts to receive what you have to say. I pray this in your name. Amen. All right. The book of Colossians. This is a, this is a book or a letter actually written by Paul to a church. And he's writing to the Colossians to encourage them in their faith. And he goes through this passage here and we come to finally in chapter 2 to a part where, where Paul is speaking directly to them. And he comes to this word in verse 6. And he says, therefore. Now, if you are a good Bible scholar, if you really know your Bible and, and you're familiar with this, when you come to a word like therefore, you need to go back and understand why that therefore is, well, therefore. And so if you go back to the beginning and kind of read this book, you kind of understand what Paul's trying to get at here in this verse, in verses six and seven. So we're going to focus on the, on the verses six and seven. But before we do that, we got to understand what did he say? What is he talking about? In the beginning of Paul's writing, he tells the church in Corinth that he's been praying, uh, sorry, not Corinth, of uh, Colossians, that he's been praying for them. He says he's been praying for them. And in verse 10, he tells them exactly what he's been praying for them. He says that he's been praying for them, that they would walk in a manner worthy of the Lord, that they would bear fruit, that they would increase in their knowledge of the faith and that they would be strengthened by the power of Christ. And all through those verses, he uses those phrases and he says, I've been praying for you. Well, this particular passage is very dear to me because when I started having children, I began using this passage here to pray for my own kids. I pray for my personal kids that they would grow up in the Lord, that the Lord would open their heart, that they would have a desire and a love for him. You see, I can't make my kids love Jesus. I want to. I have a heart that my kids love Jesus, but I can't do it. I need the power of Christ to open the heart and break the heart to open, to love him, to receive him, to follow him. And so I use this verse right here, these verses in, in chapter one, verse 10, to pray over my children. Just as, just as Paul prayed over the church of Colossians, I pray for my own children. But these verses here are also true of my student ministry here. I pray for my students and I pray that God would do this very thing in the life of the students. And this morning we got to see our graduates come here. And over the past six years, as I've been here, I've been praying for you graduates. I've been praying these things over you. Praying that God would grow you in him. And that he would use you and that he would fill you with his knowledge. That he would soften your heart. That you would embrace him with all of your might. And that you would run after him wholeheartedly. My prayer this morning is for this church. This same prayer, I pray over this church for you, 
that this morning that you walk with him. That you walk hand in hand, living your life with him. So Lord, know that there's a lot of prayer going on right now. And these are the scripture verses that I've been praying right now for you this morning. But Paul was praying for them. And a lot of these phrases that you see in his prayer are actually in verses 6 and 7. And we'll talk about that in a minute. But he's been praying for them. And then in chapter 2, in the very beginning of chapter 2, Paul says, I am struggling over you. I'm struggling over you. I am concerned for you. Because at this particular time, there was some, some false teaching that was going on in this church and in a, a lot of the areas in this area that they were living in. And Paul was so concerned that the church, that the people of, uh, of Colossians would begin to listen and receive these heresies, these false doctrines, these lies. And so because of that, he writes to them, therefore, Therefore, and he goes on and tells them, therefore, since you have received Jesus Christ as Lord, walk in him. In our world today, it's no different. We have lies all around us as well. There are many false teachings all around us, and it doesn't even have to be religious teachings. In our world, there is filled with a lot of lies. The father of lies, Satan, is at work right now in this world, spreading his lies. And he's using it through all different kinds of ways. He's doing it through TV, through social media. He's using it through your own friends. He's spreading it around. And he even uses the religious circles as well. He uses teachers who proclaim to follow Christ, but yet they proclaim something that is not of Christ. We've got to be careful in our world today because we are filled with things. And if we are not careful, we can be deceived. And that's the reason why Paul is writing this. And this is the reason why I am speaking about this to you this morning is that you will not be deceived. But you will walk in Christ. That word walk in the Greek actually means walk. But in some of your translations, some of you, uh, you may have the word walk, but some of you may have a different word. Some of you may have the word live, and it's not a wrong translation. It's not a bad interpretation. Uh, it actually helps kind of conduct or to speak about what this word actually is conveying. The word walk uh, is talking about your, your, the way you live your life. It's talking about your conduct. And what Paul is telling them is that they need to carry themselves in such a way that follows Jesus. It's talking about the way you live your life, the way you live your life every day. When you leave this place and you go out there and you're at home this afternoon, the way you live your life, you should be living it, walking with Jesus. When you get up tomorrow and you go to work or you go to school, you need to be living it with Jesus, following Jesus and living your life based on what Jesus says. And so the way that we walk and the way we live matters and it all comes to the fact that we are to follow and live for Jesus. Matter of fact, other scriptural verses talk about different words that kind of, uh, that kind of relate to this. In, in the New Testament, Jesus tells his disciples when he came to them, he says, follow me. And his disciples immediately dropped their nets and they followed him. 
And they actually physically followed him. And they lived their life with him for the next several years under his teaching, under his words. They watched him as he ministered to people, as he loved people, as he taught people. They listened to his commands. They saw Jesus do the miracles and things like that. And so as a result of that, they were walking with him and living with him and being changed by him. There's another word in the scripture that I think also kind of helps us understand this. And I think this is a good word. In the, in the gospel, John, the, the writer John writes this word abide. Jesus tells us to abide in him. That word abide means to remain, to stay. It has the idea that we have made our home and our dwelling to be with him. It's like we're living with him. And that is exactly what this word actually means. It means to live and abide and follow Jesus. And when we do that, when we start living our life with Jesus, we find out that we start really truly living. Matter of fact, when we start living our life with Jesus and following Jesus, we find out that we have true life. That we really didn't, that we weren't really living beforehand. When we start living with Jesus, we find out that we have a life that is more than what we've ever had. And the life that we had before was not living. It was dying. We find that we, we are truly living. You see, Jesus, when he came to this world, he came to die for our sins so that we could have eternal life. But he didn't just die for us to have a punch ticket to get into heaven. He came to give us life right now. Jesus says, I have come to give you life and I have come to give it abundantly to you. He isn't just waiting for the life to come. He is waiting right now to give you life now. He wants to fill you with life and that you can have true life. Now, last week, Pastor Mike was preaching on, um, on Jesus being the bread of life. And we had a very interesting passage where he talked about Jesus saying to this people in his teachings, that you need to come eat my flesh and drink my blood. And it was really weird and really crazy. But what Jesus was teaching was that in order to follow me, you need to live off of me. If you want to really truly live life, you need to live off of me. You need me to truly live. And only by taking me in can you truly live. In 1 John 5.12, it says that he who has the son has life. He who does not have the son does not have life. You see, life is only found in Christ, which means if you do not have Christ, you do not have life. You're actually missing something this morning. There is something missing in you. There is something empty inside of you. You're lacking something. You're in need of something and you may not even realize it. And you're trying your hardest to fill yourself with what you think is true life. But everything is leaving you void inside and empty. And you're constantly searching for more and more and more to fill you. So if you do not have Jesus this morning, you are not living. Oh, it may seem like you're living. And you may have a lot of pictures on social media and on Instagram and on Facebook and on all these different social media sites to just show that you're living. And you may be able to show and you may be able to fool everybody and think, man, I'm living life. 
But in reality, you are not, and you are dead inside, and you're still searching. You're still wanting. You're still needing something. There is something absent from your life, and that is Jesus Christ. Because if you do not have Jesus, you do not have life. You're missing out on the greatest thing. And when Jesus comes into your life, it changes everything. Your life is completely changed. He is, he is something that you have never experienced. And once you experience it, it completely transforms your life. Your life is no longer the same. Matter of fact, your old way of life is gone, is done with. Listen to what Paul says in Galatians 2.20. He says, I have been crucified with Christ and I no longer live, but Christ lives in me. He lives in me. And the life I have now is Christ. And it's filled and it's overflowing. And there's so much joy and so much happiness in Christ. He gives me so much more than anything this world ever can. And it is satisfying. It is satisfying. But you don't know it if you don't know Christ. But once you've had it, once you've received Christ, it changes everything. And Paul was writing to the church here in Colossians and he's saying to them, he says, you received Christ. You have been saved. You have a brand new life. So therefore, since you have received it, walk in it. Walk in him. Be filled with him and enjoy this new life. Which brings the big question, how? How can I walk in it? Well, the scripture is, is very clear. The next, uh, the next few verses here describes how we are to uh, walk in Christ. These uh, are four words in Greek. In our scriptures, we have actually multiple words. And that uses multiple words just to describe this one word. And so we have to actually have multiple words just to, de to, uh, to describe and to translate into our own language. But in the Greek, it's only four words. And so these four words I want to share with you this morning of how to walk in Christ. The first one here in the scripture, if you just look right there, in beginning of, in uh, verse 7, it says, Having been firmly rooted. Having been firmly rooted. This particular verb is actually in uh, the, the perfect tense. Now, I, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to geek out on you a little bit, so bear with me. I'm going to geek out, okay? We're, I'm going to teach you something. If you can just bear with me just for a moment. The perfect tense is basically, in Greek, an action that has happened in the past, but still has ongoing effects in the present. That's what that means in the Greek. When it has, it's in the perfect tense, it's that it's, it's something that has been accomplished in the past, but because it's been accomplished in the past, it has ongoing effects in the future. One of the greatest, uh, I think, illustrations using these very words is if you think about a tree. If you go and plant a tree in the ground, it's been planted, right? The roots begin to grow and it takes hold and it gets firmly anchored into the soil. But although you've anchored in the soil in the past, today in the present, it is firmly rooted because of that, and it's unmovable. It won't be blown down. It is, it is strongly, firmly planted, and it is anchored into the soil. So something in the past, planted in the past, 
has an effect in the future, it is anchored in. And that is what uh, Paul, uh, Paul is writing here. He is sitting there saying, he's talking about your salvation. That your salvation in the past has been completely anchored. You have been saved. You have been forgiven of your sins. And that happened in the past. But its effects is ongoing now in the present. Because right now, because you have been saved, you are firmly rooted in Christ. It's almost as if God has reached down from heaven and when you asked him to save you, he reached down and he grabbed you and you are firmly in his grasp and he's not going to let go. You are always saved. You are always completely his. You are a child of God. He will never say, nope, not that one. Once he has saved you and once he's got a hold on you, you are his. You are firmly rooted in him. And this is so important because this affects the way we walk. When we realize that we are saved, that we're forgiven of our sins, that, our, that there's no more shame, no more guilt, and that we have an eternity waiting for us, we can walk a little differently than the people of this world. Because we know that in the end, we are his. One of the games that, um, one of the football teams that I like to watch is uh, the UT Vols football. I'm sorry if you're not a fan. I'm going to talk about them for a little bit. So UT, I love watching UT football. And the, the football, I know, you know, of course, this is going to be our year, right? This is going to be our year. <laughs> we say that every year, but this is going to be our year. But, but I love watching it. And I love watching it so much that even if I've already, uh, it's already been aired, it's already been on TV, and I've gotten the score already, I still like to go back and watch, uh, watch it again to see. And so uh, sometimes I'm there and I remember this one particular game. I remember Tennessee wasn't doing so good, Uh, but I'd already gotten the score. Like the the game was already completed, but I was just watching, I was rewatching it. And uh, you know, cause I like to see it. And, and I know that in the end, the score we won, that we actually had won, but I like watching it. So I'm going there and we getting into the halftime and it ain't looking too good for Tennessee. We're down and we're down by a whole lot. But it changes my attitude and my thoughts of the game because even though I know we're down now, I know at the end of the game, we win. And so it changes how I feel. And so even though I'm like, ooh, that's not so good, I know we're going to win. Guess what, guys? The same is true in our spiritual walk. Right now, it doesn't look so good out there. We go out there and we see all the things going on and the, the craziness and all the, the issues that keep bombarding us and hit us. But let me tell you a secret. We already know the answer. We've won. Jesus already has the victory. It is completed. It's done. It's in. It's already over. We're just simply waiting to the end of the game for it to be completely announced. Hey, he is one. He is one. And that's what it means to have a, a, a faith firmly rooted in, in Christ. We have a hope, but this hope is not a, if so, maybe so hope. It's a hope with confident expectation in what's going to happen. We're confident in knowing what's going to happen. And so we put our confidence and our, and our hope in Christ. And therefore we walk differently. We walk differently. 
We don't walk like the world is going to crumble and fall apart. We don't walk in this world thinking that it's going to be completely over and that it's going to be devastated and it's going to be ending in destruction and end. No, we know that Christ is going to come back and that he's going to bring those who are lost, uh, those who are saved home with to be with him and that we will be with him forever and that it's going to be all okay in the end because he will win and evil will be dealt with and darkness will run and flee. And the light of Christ will shine. So we walk differently, knowing what we have to look forward to. The second word that I want to share with you this morning is being built up. Being built up. This has to do with learning and growing in the word of God. You see, when we read the word of God, the Holy Spirit comes and he comes into your heart. And he takes the word of God and he starts implanting it into your heart. He opens up your mind to, to, to grasp and understand the knowledge of the scriptures and the truth of the scriptures. And so the Holy Spirit begins to do that work in you as you read and hear the word of God. And when we read and hear it, we're hearing the truth of God's word. This is the truth. It's not a truth. It is the truth. The truth. And because it is the truth, it is the one that we use to grow our life and we build our life upon it. And this is so important because remember, Paul is dealing with people who are being deceived by false lies. The way you battle against false lies is by the truth of God's word. And we need to be careful at what we're listening to. We need to put our faith and our trust in his word and allow our word to build up in our heart, in our life, and what we believe in and trust in. The very next verse, in verse 8, the very, the verse right after this, Paul says this, See to it that no one takes you captive through philosophy and empty deception, according to the tradition of men, according to the elementary principles of the world, rather than according to Christ. Take, make sure that no one takes you captive. You see, in this world, we are filled with lies. And as you're probably seeing and hearing some of it, maybe some of you are like, man, I cannot believe what's going on in our society today. There are things right now that are being spread and people are just uh, like being sucked to it like wildfire and just, 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 they're just coming in and they're listening to it and, and they're embracing it. And you're, you're, you're like, what is going on in our world today? But guys, let me just give you, let me just give you a, a, a heads up on this. This is not anything new. The father of lies has always been lying. He has always been at work in this world lying. He's been lying through every way he can. And he draws people in with his lies. Lies have always been here. The only, the only difference here today is that our culture has rejected the truth more and embraced the lies more. And a lot of that's on us because we're not proclaiming the truth. And we're not living out the truth in our own life. A lot of that's on us. This world is listening and being deceived by the philosophy of man and the things of this world and of the human nature. And it's deceiving us. And this is why Paul is writing. He doesn't want you to be deceived. He doesn't want you to be uh, to, to, not, to, to be blinded. He wants you to know the truth. 
And the truth comes in knowing the word of God because the word of God gives you the truth and how you are to live your life. It gives you the truth to know what's real and what's right. It is the truth. As a matter of fact, any other thing in this world must come up and measure up against the word of God. The word of God measures all truth and all truth must be brought to him through his word. Be careful that you listen to the truth of the word of God. When Jesus' disciples were in the boat and they were crossing over the sea, Jesus leans into them and he says, hey, Pharisees, they're up here. Beware of their teaching. Pharisees? These were the religious leaders. These were the people who claimed that they loved God. These are the people who claimed that they loved the Bible, the love, the word, the love, the law. Beware of them. Yes. Yes. Even in our own religious circles, even in our churches, we have to be aware of what we're listening to. We have to measure everything through the word of God. In, in scripture, he tells us uh, uh, later on, uh, we were told to test the spirits when we hear the word being proclaimed. You don't know for sure that the person who comes up here is going to uh, uh, proclaim the word of God every time. You need to bring everything that even I say according to the word of God and say, does this what the word of God say? Guard your heart because the Satan wants to get in and he will get to you anyway and he will make it look good and religious too. Beware, build your life on the word of God. So how are we to walk? We are to walk with confidence and the hope that we are to have. We walk in truth, in the word of God. The third word here in the scriptures is established in your faith. Established in your faith. Some translation may actually say strengthened in your faith. This is speaking about your belief. This is talking about what you believe in. We believe in Jesus Christ, that he is the son of God, that he is fully God in every way in his nature, that he was sent here on this earth and that he died on the cross and he rose again. And it's not anything that we doubt. We fully believe it. In verse nine and 10 of this very, of this very chapter, Paul writes this. He says, for in him, all the fullness of deity dwells in bodily form. And in him, you have been made complete. Our belief is in Jesus Christ and in Jesus alone. And that faith is not shallow faith. Our faith is not shallow. All of scripture, Old Testament and the prophets pointed and prophesied about a coming Messiah. And Jesus fulfills every single one of them. Not only that, he came and he entered into our world's history. And even apart from scripture, you cannot deny the fact that Jesus Christ actually lived 2,000 years ago. And it impacted the world that still talks about him today. You can't doubt that. You can't deny that. Jesus did impact this world. He was here. But not only that, you go to his grave today and it is empty. There is no Jesus in a grave. Because he arose. Our faith is not shallow. We have full faith in who he is. That he is the son of God. That he was sent to earth to die for us. That he died and rose again. And because of that, our faith is strengthened and established. Wholeheartedly and it's unmovable. And because of that, it affects how we walk. We walk 
in faith because we know who he is. We walk in faith. The fourth one, the fourth one and the last one is overflowing with gratitude or abounding in gratitude. This is the end result of what Christ has done for you. What Christ has done for you, it leads you to being thankful. Listen to what Colossians chapter 2, verse 13 and 15. 13 and 15, just a little bit bit down. It says in verse 13, it says, And when you were dead in your transgressions, that sin, and the uncircumcision of your flesh, he made you alive together with him, having forgiven us all of our transgressions, having canceled the certificate of debt, consisting of decrees against us, which was hostile to us. And he has taken it out, out of the way and having nailed it to the cross. When he had disarmed the rulers and the authorities, he made a public display of them, having triumphed over them through him. Jesus, Jesus has given us freedom and forgiveness of sin. He has canceled our sin debt. This December, this past December, uh, my wife and I have been paying on a, on a loan that we had. We had, as many of you know, our kids have uh, cystic fibrosis. They've had it since they were born. And we've required a lot of medical debt over the years. And we've been working to try to get out of this medical debt and try to get out of loans that we've had to take out to do this. Uh, so for the past many years, we've done this. And there's one loan that we've been paying monthly payments for a long time on. Uh, we finally paid it off in December. And when that debt was paid, it was like, Oh my gosh, I can breathe. <laughs> the, the weight of that loan was gone. That debt was gone. And it, it just gave us this sense of freedom. Sin is debt on us. There have other been times in here in the past several years that, that our kids have had to end up back up in the hospital. It's just part of CF. We were in there a lot. And uh, there have been times when people in this church have been so kind to us and so loving. And during those times, they would come and they would bring things to help us uh, and give to us. And that giving was able to go and pay for some of our, our medical expenses and things like that. And when that happened, I can't tell you the overwhelming thankfulness in my heart by people in this church who have loved us in that way. It, just, it, just, it, just, it was just so amazing to see what they had done to us. And I'm so thankful because that's what it does. It moves you. It moves in your heart and it just overflows and you pour tears out of, of thankfulness by the kindness that they show to you. And I have been so blessed here at FBCB as a result of that. But that's just small compared to what Christ has done. Christ has canceled your debt of sin. We were in sin and we were trying to get out. We were trying to be good enough. We were trying to do the right thing. We were trying to claw our way out of sin, but we fell short and we could not do it on our own. The sin debt was too heavy. It was unmovable. And that's the reason why we need Jesus. Jesus came and he removed our sin debt. He canceled our debt and he set us free. He forgave us of all of our sins. And now through Christ, we are alive. We're alive. And there's no more shame, no more guilt, and no more burden of sin. And when you realize what he has done, it overflows your heart. 
it swells inside of you. And it just begins like a spring, just overflowing with the thankfulness of what he's done. And that leads you to thanking him and praising him and rejoicing in him. And so it overflows you and it leads you to walk in praise and thanksgiving of our Lord. So these four words here, these four words are describing how we're to walk, to walk in, in hope of in having confidence in who, uh, in who uh, will win in the end, to, having to, to, to walk in truth, to walk in faith, and walking in thanks and praise. This is how we're to walk as Christians. But I got one more secret that I need to share with you. You don't do the work. All four of these words you cannot do. You cannot do them. Christ does them. Christ comes in and he roots you. He comes in and he builds you up. Christ establishes your faith. Christ overflows your cup. You see, Jesus didn't just come into this world and died for your sins and say, okay, I saved you. Now you got it for here. Go off. Let's see how you do. That's not how Jesus does it. He came in, he saved you, and now he is continuing the work of salvation and sanctification in you and in your heart and in your life. He continues that work. He's the one rooting you. He is the one who builds you up. He is the one who is establishing your faith. He is the one who is overflowing you. He does that work. Your job is simply this. Receive Christ and walk with him. Receive Christ and walk with him. Abide in him. Live in him. And as you walk with him, as you follow him, as you live in him, and as you listen to his teachings, as you listen to his commands, and you're following his guidance, and you're following his direction, he's going to change your life. And he's going to do all four of these words in you and through you. But you've got to live in him. You've got to abide in him. And this happens each day as we choose to follow him. So tonight, when you're going home and you're with your family, live in Christ. Abide in Christ. Follow Christ when you're at home. When you get up and you go to school tomorrow or go to work tomorrow, live in Christ. Walk in him. Allow him to work in you so that when you're at work or when you're at school, that the light of Christ shines in you and through you, that you start acting in integrity and then you start walking in righteousness and you start obeying and living a life that is opposite of your sinful nature, but is fulfilling what Christ has for you. Walk in Christ. Graduates, you're graduating. You're fixing to go to school where you're going to be encountering a whole lot of uh, things that could deceive you. Do not let them take heart in you. Walk with Christ. Guard your heart. Walk in him. Take him with you to school. Don't leave him here. He goes with you. Bring him with you. Live it out in the dorms. Live it out with your friends. Wherever you go, walk with Christ. He's never going to leave you. He's never going to forsake you. He's going to be with you. But you walk in him. You receive him. And you stay strong to him. But if you do not have Christ... Remember this, you do not have life. You can't do any of these things unless you have Christ. 
You have first received Christ. So right now, with every head bow and every eye closed, just for a moment, I want us to reflect and think on these things. Maybe you're here this morning and you do not know Christ. You're not walking with Christ. I want you to invite you to come to Christ. Maybe you're here this morning and the life that you're living, you're finding yourself in need. You're finding yourself wanting and nothing is fulfilling it. Listen to this words of scripture. You're not really living. You're dying. You're dying. But Christ has come to give you life. And he's offering it freely to you. It has been given to you. You just need to receive him. Receive Jesus. And you can do that this morning. He freely gives it to you. You do not have to bear the, the shame and the guilt anymore. He can forgive you. Christian, are you here this morning walking in Christ? If you're walking in Christ, great. Praise the Lord. Let him overflow your heart even more. Let it lead you to praising and thanking him even greater and even more. Let it lead you into obedience by telling others about him. Let it lead you in following him wholeheartedly and allow it to be used in you to pour out to your children and to your family and to those around you. Keep following him. But if you find yourself this morning not following him, that you're not been living with him, that you've been separated by sin from him, yeah, you're still saved. You're never gonna lose your salvation. But sin comes in and it interrupts our communication with God. It interrupts our relationship. Maybe this morning you need to come forward and just bow at the altar and pray and repent of your sin and confess your sin and come crying and crawling back to Jesus, asking Jesus to forgive you of your sin. And let me tell you what, when you do that, he's already there and he's given himself back to you. And there's no shame on him. He's not gonna shame you. He's not gonna, he's not gonna beat you or, or, no, he is a loving and kind God who desires for all of us to turn back to him. And you will find his heart is open wide, ready to receive you back in his presence. But you need to come and repent. Whatever the Lord is laying on your heart this morning, you need to respond. Scripture demands a response. God, we just pray right now for anyone in this room who needs to repent of their sin and return to you, for anyone who needs to come to you to find life. Lord, I pray that you would move in them now, that they will not delay. May they come to you and find you. May they find grace and mercy in you. May they find confidence in you. May they be built up in you. May they be established in you. And may they be overflowing as a result of following you. Help them find the true life, Lord Jesus, this morning.
I pray this in your name. Amen. If you're here this morning and you need to make a decision, I'll be down front. The pastors will be down front. We would love to greet and talk to you about it. You may stand. sing together. Tis so sweet to trust in Jesus, just to take him at his word, just to rest upon his promise, just to know the saith the Lord. Jesus, Jesus, how I trust him, how I just have a seat for a moment. Um, today we are going to be celebrating the Lord's Supper. It's a great day for us to do that, to, to celebrate and to remember, uh, as we've talked about, to remember what Jesus has done for us. So what a great way to do that. So right now I'm going to ask for the deacons if they'll make their way forward. And we will, and we will uh, do the Lord's Supper. Right now I would like for everyone just to bow their heart and their head. We're just going to go to the Lord and pray. Right now maybe um, maybe the, you need to spend some time with the Lord. Uh, is, there, is there something that is interfering with your relationship with him? Have you had that chance right now to really confess your sins and, and to be right with the Lord? Before we come to the Lord's table, we need to be right with God. And so take this moment right now to get right with the Lord, and I'll pray in just a moment. Lord Jesus, we come this morning to remember what you have done on the cross. God, we remember it and it leads us to being overfilled with, with thanksgiving and praise to you, Lord Jesus. So Lord, as we come to this part of the service where we can just lift up in praise and thanksgiving to you by taking of the Lord's Supper, may this be a special time for us, Lord Jesus. May you receive praise from this. May you be glorified. Lord, I pray that you would just Help us to understand what you really did for us back then on the cross, how you died for us and how we've been saved by you. So bless this time right now of our worship. And I pray this in your name. Amen.